0: So Nehemiah chapter 12, Um, last week we looked at how that they needed people and were wanting people to come back to Jerusalem, come back to the city. The city needed to be populated. They wanted to see the city again thriving. And so there were those that were willing and and even though they did this uh, thing of like casting lots, almost like rolling of the dice to see who was going back to the city. We do see though from chapter 11 that, that these people that went back to the city. They had this willing heart and they had just this pioneer spirit. They were willing to really just sacrifice. They were willing to give up maybe some comfort to come to move where it was going to be difficult, where it was going to be hard. And so we talked about an application for that is that that God had where, where we live and how we're involved where we live is a way that we can worship God. It's a way that we can be involved in ministry by being where God has us and being involved with how God leads us and the gifts that God has given to us. So, chapter number 12, now there, we're going to see this dedication of the wall. And, but, but leading up to this dedication, it's going to be a time of great joy and singing ...and thankfulness where they are going to just celebrate the goodness of God... ...celebrate what God has allowed them to accomplish. But I find it so important here and interesting that leading up to this... ...Nehemiah is going to give a shout out to a lot of people that are unknown. A lot of people really leading up to this for decades and decades... And, and Nehemiah, while the, the credit, glory, the praise goes to God alone, and we see that with Nehemiah's spirit and his attitude. However, Nehemiah is going to point out that the work they've accomplished with this wall, that they were really just building on the foundation of so many people previously, and showing that all of those people, even though many of them didn't even, weren't able to, to see this come to fruition. Yet, Nehemiah is pointing out just their faithfulness, pointing out their willingness, and pointing out how God used these uh, individuals, particularly these priests and these Levites. So now these are the priests with the Levites that went up with Zerubbabel. So again, this is decades and decades earlier. And uh, so Jeshua or Joshua was one of the priests, not the the Joshua that there's a book named after, but. He was one of the priests, and then uh talks about that really those with him and under him Amariah and Maluk and Hatush, Shechaniah, Reha, Meramoth, Ido, Gennetho, Abijah, uh, Miamin, Meadia, uh, Bilgah, Shemaiah, Jorabiah, Jedaiah, uh, Salu, Amok, Hilkiah, Jediah. These were the chief of the priests and their brethren in the days of, of Joshua or Joshua. Moreover, the Levites, Joshua, um, Benihu, or Benui, and Kadmiel, Sherebiah, Judah, and Madaniah, which was over the thanksgiving, he and his brethren, and Bacabukiah and Unai, the, uh, their brethren, were over against them in the watches. So you see here really the, the years of preparation. Nehemiah is pointing out That in this whole process of the temple uh, being rebuilt and the worship of God being really restored kind of back to what what it was and, and what they hoped it would be. And then the rebuilding of the wall, the rebuilding of the city, there was groundwork that was laid years and years ago. And so we see really this ancestry of the priest that returned with Zerubbabel, when, when Cyrus made this decree years prior that they could return. And then you see that uh, Jeshua, the high priest, he returned with Zerubbabel to, to rebuild the temple. And then the priests and Levites are listed who served with him and under him. All the way down to, we see in, in verses 10 and 11, Jeshua's son, his son, and his son. All the way down to the great, great, great grandson, Jedua. So you see this list here. And then in verses 12 through 26, we see it continues this list of names of different priests and temple workers that were involved during the lifetime of each of those men. And, and it's leading all the way up now to the time of Nehemiah. And this is spanning decades, almost a hundred years. And this list of names this tells us that all of these people... They had a part in God's plan for what was now really coming to fruition. Now, as we're going to see, all their troubles didn't go away after the rebuilding of this this wall here. But we see that this was part of God's plan for the the, the temple to be restored, the, the, the city to be rebuilt, the walls to be built. And so the people then could experience protection and the glory of God could be then made known. We know this from previous chapters. One of the burdens on Nehemiah's heart was that that, that, that the enemies of God, those outside of Jerusalem, were looking at the city with reproach and almost mockery towards the people of God. Really, it was an indictment against God. How is your powerful God not even able to help you? rebuild this city, this holy city. And so this burdened Nehemiah. Nehemiah wanted this to be rebuilt for ultimately the glory of God. But we see this. There were generations of faithful people that were willing to lay the groundwork that probably worked through much discouragement, that probably worked through times of thinking, this is never going to be accomplished. This is never going to be what it once was. This is never going to come to fruition. But we see here that they're going to, as we get uh, to verse 27, they're going to dedicate this wall. They're going to dedicate this accomplishment really to the glory of God. And there's going to be thanksgiving and joy and praise. And all of this is going to take place. But Nehemiah is pointing out that Yes, they built the wall in 52 days, but it was far more time than 52 days that really laid the foundation for this to be accomplished. That it was those that worked through discouragement. Those that worked through probably many times of just a a thankless job. That maybe for many of them never saw it come to fruition. So we see this list of, of names is not just to to fill up space, but what we see is God's blessing upon really the faithfulness of, of these people. And this should encourage us. This can encourage us. I think it should encourage us that we would be faithful, whether we're Nehemiah or an Ezra, maybe well known and get recognition or these names that we can barely pronounce, that are mentioned a couple times in all of Scripture. That ultimately, that, that each one of these people had a part in really the work that God was going to accomplish over decades and decades. And what we see from this is that not only do we see our part in God's work, but we can look back and be thankful... For the people that have sacrificed and the people that really we are just continuing to build upon the foundation. And ultimately, it's the foundation of of Christ and the word of God, not through tradition. However, we can be thankful for those that have gone before us that have sacrificed. And we can then see our responsibility whether we think it's a little part or a big part or somewhere in the middle doesn't really matter all that much. That, that doing what God has called us to do is significant. And we can be encouraged to be faithful. We can be encouraged to be involved. And also it's just an encouraging thing to think that the, the long line of saints that have gone before us, that we are continuing in the worship of God. That we are continuing in the work of God to this day. Now, that's not to say that there weren't things in the history of the people of God that were embarrassing. That's not even to say that for us, not even looking back too, too far, that maybe there were things even in your own experience that you look back on and maybe... They weren't good things or they weren't good experiences, right? We talked a couple weeks ago in this, this prayer of repentance that they're just crying out, asking God forgiveness, not just for their sins, but they said our, our fathers and and their fathers and their fathers. And we have continued in that same path of rebellion. And so obviously there were things that they could look back on and say, no, that this wasn't a good thing. This wasn't a great example, but I think the point is this, that they're looking back and Nehemiah's wanting them to be grateful for the people that have gone before them. May we have this same attitude. May we not look back on previous generations and only see the faults and the flaws of those things. Now we can be honest about those faults and flaws. And we don't have to condone the faults and the flaws. But let's be grateful for the people that have sacrificed. The people that have paid a price to really pave a foundation for us. To follow an example of, of true worship of God. And we can see the good and the bad in some of these things. Now look, I know not everyone has maybe grown up with a great church experience. For some of you, you don't really have any church experience. This is the first time that you've uh, been in church. Maybe you've just become a believer later on in life. And so there's really not a lot to compare to uh, when you look back. You're, you look in your past, and it wasn't really a past of growing up in church and growing up with other believers. But for some of you, you have had an experience of growing up uh, maybe in different different churches and May we look back and, again, not ignore the faults, not ignore the things that we maybe see now that, no, that wasn't scriptural, that, that, that wasn't a godly example. May we be honest enough and may our commitment be to scripture and not tradition, amen? But let's also be thankful for the good things and the godly things. That those who went before us, the foundation that they have laid. And I think the spirit we're going to see of gratitude and rejoicing towards God uh, that they're going to have. Nehemiah is wanting them to recognize, though, there were a lot of people involved in getting to this point. Where you're at in life right now. God used a lot of people in your life to bring you to this point. And that's not to say that all of those people were perfect. Maybe some of those people went on to later disappoint you, to let you down, to hurt you. And I'm not making light of that, not belittling that. But may we be grateful when we look back upon the good and the godly things that people have done, that people have invested in us. May we celebrate their faithfulness. And as we look back, you know, maybe even recent or or really... As we study church history, as, as, as Pastor Jeff Durbin puts it, he says it's both glorious and messy. It's like you see some wonderful things and these amazing quotes from whether it was the reformers or the anabaptists right the the early or go all the way back to the early church fathers and you see just some wonderful wonderful things and just just a testimony of faithfulness to God and dedication towards God and willing to sacrifice and then you read some of the things these guys believed and you're like how in the world could they believe that how in the world could they take this Position. What was wrong with these guys? How how were they blinded in some of those areas? And you know what the reality is? It's both glorious and it's messy. Ultimately, though tradition can be a wonderful thing, tradition is not our authority. It's the scripture. Because at the end of the day, you know what? A hundred years from now, 200 years from now, people will be able to look back on your life and mine and hopefully see some really good things and, and see faithfulness to God and a commitment to Scripture. But I promise you, they're probably also going to see some flaws. They're probably also going to see some things where, even though we tried to be consistent with, with the Scripture, like, oh, man, like, they really messed that, that one up. Man, they, were, they, they really held on to this position that wasn't that scriptural. It was more of a tradition. And the point is this. We don't have to blindly follow a tradition that's wrong. But can we be thankful and have a heart of, of gratitude towards the foundation that, that people have laid for us? I, is there maybe a previous church or pastor? And once again, I, it may not have been the best experience for you. Maybe some of you are like, hey, the reason I'm here at Point today, my last church, it wasn't the greatest experience. And I totally can understand that. But. Can you look back and at least see maybe some good things that God did? Maybe there were pastors or maybe other fellow believers that really encouraged you in certain areas. Are there things you can look back on and say, man, I got a, a, a hunger and desire more for the word of God and to be faithful to God under this pastor or because of these fellow believers in the church that I was at. Let's look back with a heart of gratitude, not condoning Every single thing that happened because maybe it wasn't the best experience for you. But I think what Nehemiah is doing here is he's pointing out that, look, we're about to celebrate the dedication of this wall. We're about to celebrate what God has accomplished. But there was a foundation laid. There were those that paid a price. There were those that were willing to sacrifice without seeing the completion or without seeing the fruition of their their task so we see this we see that first of all that that nehemiah is pointing out these years of preparation leading up to this and now in verse 27 we're going to see the dedication of this wall this was probably the celebrations probably around the time of October, maybe even early November, maybe similar to the season that we're in right now. After this wall is completed, it's probably about a month after that they're having this celebration. It says in the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites out of all their places to bring them to Jerusalem to keep the dedication with gladness, with thanksgiving, with singing, with cymbals, with psalteries, with harps. The sons of the singers gathered themselves together both out of the plain country round about Jerusalem and from the villages of Neph- uh, Netophtheny and, and also the house of Gilgal and out of the fields of Geba. And the singers had built them villages round about Jerusalem. So now they're having this big dedication ceremony. They are celebrating what God has allowed them to accomplish. And these can be great things. There's nothing wrong with, in fact, I think it's good, it's healthy to celebrate maybe certain milestones of things that we see. God has accomplished this. God has done this. So today, this would be similar when a church maybe celebrates an anniversary service of however many years. And it's a time of of celebration and joy, but really a time of thanksgiving. A time of just thanking God for his faithfulness. In allowing his church to be faithful. So they're dedicating this wall. And I love how they're, they're, we're going to see this gratitude in several, four different times. This heart of gratitude. But we see, first of all, in verse 30, there is a purification process that happens as they are dedicating this wall. It says the priests, the Levites, they purified themselves. They purified the people and the gates and the wall now we're not exactly sure like what this looked like I mean we can there's some guesses though, as we look really in in, in other passages of scripture of maybe what this would would look like, maybe some kind of washing and, and, and ritualistic cleansing and perhaps a sacrifice that was was made in order to just symbol the purification of the people of God, that they're recognizing really the holiness of God and how impure they were and they were approaching a holy and a righteous God. Well, today we don't have ritual rituals of, of, of having to do outward washing or of, of sacrificing animals because we are cleansed through the blood of Jesus Christ, right? All of the sacrifices and rituals, all of those things we just, it was a dress rehearsal, it was a foreshadow of Jesus Christ who would come, the Lamb of God, who would take away the sin of the world, that we would be pure only through the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and, and yet we see, though, this, this symbol and this ceremony that they're, they're having of dedicating this wall, the importance of, of purification. They were recognizing the holiness of God. And it started out with the priests, the Levites, that they knew as they're going to lead the people of God in worship that they themselves needed this purification. They themselves needed to be holy before a righteous God. And I think just an an application of of this is to recognize, again, once again, we're only pure through the blood of Christ. We're only pure, the, the only righteousness that 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 matters is that we have the righteousness of Jesus Christ credited and placed upon our account but I think what what we see here though is that how we live does matter before God that these priests these Levites they recognize before they're going to lead the people of God in worship they themselves need purification they themselves need to be holy before God and I think today, as 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 Christian leaders, and and, and though there's, we no longer need a, a priest. Like right? Jesus Christ is that mediator between God and man, but as those that lead the the church, whether it's pastors or those that that that, that lead us in worship and, and singing on Sunday, that more than than talent and ability or skill is. Really, a, a heart that, that knows and loves God. A heart that is pure and genuine before God. So before we started the church, I tried to read everything I could get my hands on. Anything church planting. And there was some really, really encouraging things. But also, there was some things I was scratching my head at. Like, where are these guys coming up with this? And, and one of the things that I read, it seemed like there was a trend with, with church planting of you go... You know, wherever you're going, whatever city you're going to, when you're planting the church, you need to get the best possible musicians you can find. Who cares if they're unbelievers? In fact, it might be better if they're unbelievers. They're going to be, as long as they're skilled, as long as they can, you know, as long as they can put on a good performance and a good show. Because after all, we want to attract those that are unbelievers. They're like, whoa, wait, look. First of all, what is your ecclesiology? What is your view of the church, first of all? And second of all, why would you want unbelievers who don't know the Lord, who cares how gifted and skilled they are, getting up and leading the people of God in worshiping God through song? Well, that was a horrible trend. Now, once again, there was a lot of good things and a lot of good books out there that I was thankful for. A lot of good practical things that helped me as we were, as we were getting ready to start. But it's like, wow, what, what a, a horrible, horrible philosophy. Now, I'm thankful here the many musicians that we have. They're good. They're skilled. You guys, well done. You guys are good. But you know what I think what we appreciate more than just ability is just their genuineness and their love for the Lord. And how we all sing with one voice t- together. It's not a, p- a performance. It's no, we are singing in worship to God. Well, the, the priests and Levites here saw the importance of this cleansing of this, this purity. And once again, none of us are pure except through the blood of Jesus Christ. None of us are pure except the righteousness of Jesus Christ. But I think we see that, that coming together corporately in the worship of God... It doesn't have to be stiff and ritualistic and dead but nor should we approach it in just a flippant way either and we see that they in in the dedication of this wall it says the priests the levites they purified themselves and purified the people the gates and the wall we see this purity but then secondly we see this gratitude this heart of thanksgiving verse 31 he says then i brought up the princes of judah upon the wall And appointed two great companies of them. That gave thanks. In verse uh, number 38. It says. And the other company of them. That gave thanks. Went over against them. I after them. And half of the people upon the wall. And beyond the tower of the furnaces. Even unto the broad wall. In verse number 40. So stood the two companies of them. That gave thanks in the house of God. And I and half. The rulers with me. Verse uh, number 46 says, And for in the days of David and Asaph of old, there were chief of the singers and the songs of praise and thanksgiving unto God. See, they're recognizing this accomplishment of this wall was all for the glory of God. And it was all because of God. They had reason to give thanks. We as the people of God have so much reason to give thanks to God for what God, for who he is, and for what he's done, for what he's accomplished in our lives, for what he has accomplished and is accomplishing in our church. May we be quick to praise God and give God thanks for that. I think back to uh, chapter 6 and verse 16. In verse 15, it says that of chapter 6, so the wall was finished in the 20 and 5th day of the month, Elul, and 50 and 2 days. And it came to pass when our enemies heard thereof, and all the heathen that were about us saw these things. They were much cast down in their own eyes, for they perceived that this work was wrought, or it was accomplished, of our God. Nehemiah is quick to point out, this is a work of God. they Filled with a heart of thanksgiving. May we as a church be quick to give God glory and to have a heart of thankfulness. But not only that a thankful heart. In verse 43 we see that there was great joy in this. It says that day they offered great sacrifices and they rejoiced. Why? For God had made them rejoice with great joy. And, the, and wives also. And the children. They rejoiced. So that the joy of Jerusalem was heard even afar off. You know, thankful people have joy. Thankful people have a heart that is filled with joy even during difficult seasons of life. Right? And there's that that balance of like, I don't think it's helpful or wise if you're going through a deep dark valley that you just have this fake smile and act like you're great and nothing's wrong. But I think that truly, if we have a heart of just thankfulness and contentment before God, that even though we may be walking through a dark valley, we can have a heart that has joy that comes from God because we have a heart that's thankful to God. And we see what happens, this joy on the inside is overflowing on the outside. They're singing and they're singing loudly and they're singing with great joy. And we should have the same attitude, amen? When we truly understand who God is, what He's done, how He's saved us, what He's accomplished and is accomplishing in us, may we have a heart of thanksgiving and a heart of joy. When we gather and sing as a church family, sing out loud. And if everybody's singing loud, don't worry. No one will hear you, right? Sing with joy. Have a heart of thanksgiving. There's something just beautiful about, uh, about gathering as a church body and just singing together. And as I mentioned, I appreciate our musicians so much and their giftedness and their sacrifice and their skill, and, but, but also how it, it's, they're not just up here performing. They're leading all of us in the worship of God through song. Why? Because we have a heart of thanksgiving that is just overflowing with joy. And this is what's taking place here. They have joy because of what God has done. We see that not just the joy, but this generosity and really the consecration of the people. They're willing to not just worship with their words, but with their actions. And many times we see in scripture that what what is centered around the worship of God is sacrifice. Now we can sing and bring And we can worship God through our song and through our words. Absolutely. But worship is more than just a song. Sometimes we refer to that first part of the service when we're singing. This is our worship time. Well, it absolutely is. But did you realize the whole hour that we're together collectively as a church is all about the worship of God? Because you worship God not just through singing... We worship God through hearing his word and obeying his word. We worship God through sacrifice. So we see that in verse 43. It says that day they offered what? Great sacrifices and rejoiced. For God had made them rejoice with great joy. We see in verses 44 through 47 that they are going to be committed really to the ongoing of the temple work and worship. And they're going to be willing to contribute and give towards that. This is, this is sacrifice. It says that at that time were some appointed over the chambers for the treasures. For the offerings. For the first fruits. For the tithes. To gather into them out of the fields of the cities. And the portions of the law for the priests and the Levites. For Judah rejoiced for the priests and the Levites that waited. And both the singers and the porters kept the word of their God and the word of their purification according to the commandment of David and of Solomon, his son. For in the days of David and Asaph of old, there were chief of the singers and songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. And all Israel in the days of Zerubbabel and in the days of Nehemiah gave the portions of the singers and the porters every day as portion. And they sanctified holy things unto the Levites and the Levites sanctified them unto the children of Aaron. But we see how that, that that Nehemiah is pointing out that part of this worship in this celebration was that the people of God were willing to sacrifice. There was this consecration. They were willing to to give towards this work of God, give towards all of this activity that was happening in the temple. And what is sacrifice? It's giving something up. It, it's doing something maybe uncomfortable. It's giving towards the work of God, giving towards someone in need. And I, I think just, you know, even as our church family, that like we, uh, I'm thankful that we have a church that is willing to, to worship God through sacrifice. And, and this is evident of really just our church's willingness to be involved, willingness to sacrifice, willingness to just be dedicated Towards the work of God, and I think in many different ways, through giving financially, through serving, through just being there for one another, that many times that requires sacrifice. I mean, coming and 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 again, I'm not patting us on the back, like you know, because there's a lot of Christians, they're sacrificing way more than we are. There's Christians gathering gathering together all over the world in dangerous places where it could cost them literally everything. But I am thankful that you're gathered here today. You had to give something else up. Now, I think we all have the attitude, it's well worth it. It's not much of a sacrifice. It's thank God that we, we can do it. But the, the point is this, that part of our worship is sacrifice. Giving up something to come and to gather with the people of god yes to be encouraged ourselves but to encourage one another think about those that, that serve every week or once a month and you know just things that might seem little or insignificant i think about our security team the last few weeks for a number of different reasons we've taken some extra precautions and you know had had multiple people involved and standing outside in the cold you're like ah well that's not that big a deal well no i I appreciate that sacrifice. I appreciate the sacrifice of of each and every one of you coming and being here. And I appreciate the sacrifice of so many that serve in ways that's not recognized. It's behind the scenes. You see a need and you're willing to do it. Why? Because you have a heart that's willing to sacrifice for the work of God. And we need to have this attitude of being willing to sacrifice. Keep this attitude of... Of, of being willing to serve and to be generous, whether it's financially or generous with our time. Generous with, with, with reaching out to the needs, maybe within our own body or the needs that you know of in people's life. That part of worship is sacrifice. And Nehemiah is pointing out that the ministry, God's work in ministry, was getting done through the faithfulness of the people of God through the generosity of of the people of God, through people being willing to be consecrated, people willing to sacrifice, people willing to be generous. So as we see here, Nehemiah is, they're they're celebrating this time of the wall that is now restored and, and rebuilt, but it wasn't just 52 days. Now, yes, they physically built that wall quickly, 52 days, but yet I think what we see here in this passage is that this was an ongoing work of God for decades, and that even these priests that came with Zerubbabel Zerubbabel decades prior, they all had a part in this. Nehemiah is wanting the people to recognize that all glory to God and thanksgiving to God, but but may we also be thankful for that dedication. ...for that work of those that came before us, those that really laid a foundation for us to be able to do this. And may we look back and be thankful for really the people God used to bring us to this point in our life. And may we also be motivated and encouraged that there will be those looking back on us one day, even... You teenagers, I know that's hard to imagine that one day, if God gives you a long life, you'll be old, but there'll be people looking back, and may, may you contribute through your worship of God and sacrifice for the work of God that will bring glory to God, and it'll also bless those that are coming after us. God, thank you.